Do one thing every day that scares you. Do one thing every day that scares you. That's a quote often attributed to Eleanor Roosevelt. I think there's some debate about where it actually comes from, but certainly uh, that sounds a lot like Eleanor Roosevelt. And it's a simple challenge, yet a not-so-simple task to complete, right? Each day comes along with plenty of things for us to fear. All kinds of things. Maybe you're scared of spiders. Maybe you're scared of church. I'm glad you're here and that you took the step. Maybe you're scared of rain. But we know that fear is a powerful force in our lives. One that can keep us from getting where it is that we need to go. And doing one thing that scares us is scary enough. And it seems like a fool's errand for us to complete. But what fears do you have today, right now, in your life? Maybe it's your health. Maybe it is a current ailment. Or maybe it's a fear about one to come. So many of us worry about the kinds of uh, diseases or things that could happen to us. That dreaded word, cancer, perhaps, looms out in front of you and you worry about it day after day. Or maybe you fear about your safety. You can't help but do that, right? Watching the news and you see uh, the, just the violent crime that is seemingly out of control right here in the Shreveport-Bossier area. And it can leave you quite vulnerable, at least feeling vulnerable. If you're a student, or better yet, a teacher, you might be in fear of another school year. On a larger scale, it is possible you and I have fear increasing each day as volatile words are exchanged carelessly between two precarious men about war and nuclear bombs. Whether our fears are big or small, one thing is certain, they are unceasing. They are inevitable parts of life. You cannot escape from fear, for it is all around us. And it can be a healthy thing as well. But today I want to talk about the unhealthy aspects of fear. And what we do with our fears is really up to us, isn't it? As we hear in our gospel text for this morning, and as you'll see illustrated in this beautiful painting here, we understand that we have a choice about what we do with our fears whether we allow them to overwhelm us or whether we step out and step on top of them and get control over them in our lives. And what Jesus taught Peter and the other disciples in the boat that day was about staying on top of fear. And it's what we need to learn today as well. As you can see here, there's a lot going on there. Uh, and I still don't know what the guy's doing off of left-hand side. I think he's fishing or something. I don't think he has any fear. But um, if you look at all the different paintings there are about this particular story, you will see that there is fear on the faces of those in the boat. And this represents the church. These are the disciples, the followers of Jesus who are out in this boat as it is being tossed to and fro by the waves. But if we are going to Get on top of our fears. We need to do what they did 
and ultimately uh, what we uh, realize is a challenge for us each and every day. First, we need to recognize Jesus when fears come our way. The disciples out in the boat, they didn't recognize Jesus. If you look back there at the text in front of you and the, the one we just heard read from Matthew's Gospel, the disciples just didn't recognize Jesus as He was walking on water. I mean, someone walking on the water wasn't within their realm of possibilities. It wasn't like they were thinking, oh, there's another guy walking on the water. I mean, they hadn't seen anything like this before. And it just wasn't something that would be possible for them. And so they thought, this is a ghost. This is, uh, we've heard about tales at the sea, uh, of the sea and strange things happening. People hearing voices and seeing uh, ghosts and things. And so they began to maybe wonder, this has got to be a ghost. We've never seen anything. And they were terrified. Matthew says they cried in their fear. And then Jesus spoke to them and told them not to fear. By the way, this is a refrain that we find over and over in the Gospels and throughout the Bible. Do not fear. It would be interesting to go and count. I'm sure uh, somebody has and, and has listed this somewhere. How many times fear is mentioned in the Bible? But it is. it seems like it's almost on every page. Do not fear. And Jesus spoke those words to him. And Peter says, Lord, if it is you. And so he's not quite sure either. Even after Jesus speaks, he knows the voice of Jesus. He knows what Jesus looks like. He spent a lot of time with him. And yet he still says, Lord, if it is you, then do this. Or help me to be sure that it is you. But it indicates that they all still weren't sure if it was Jesus or not. It was, however, Jesus. But a Jesus that didn't match their very limited view of Him. In his book, American Jesus, How the Son of God Became a National Icon, Stephen Prothero writes about how Americans have viewed Jesus and how they do so in very different ways based on their hopes and their fears. And really, I think this touches all of us because we all approach Jesus from our own experiences, our own background, and our own perspective. But he sets out to understand how Americans relate to Jesus, not how he relates to this theological system or that system. He says, I want to know what Americans see in Jesus, whether he is aloof or whether he is a friendly Jesus. If he is dour or Mary, if he is masculine or feminine, which you know Jesus is always pictured, not always, but so often, uh, there's this white Jesus in a white robe, traipsing through the flowers and holding lambs and rabbits or whatever. I don't, I don't know about rabbits, but holding different things. And, and um, we think of Jesus as feminine. Well, that's okay. But we also know Jesus was masculine. And we come at Jesus from different perspectives. We wonder if He was homely or handsome. Prothero explores how Americans view Jesus as either, and these are the chapter titles in the book, enlightened sage or sweet savior. 
manly redeemer, superstar, Mormon elder brother, black Moses, rabbi, or oriental Christ. Those are different ways that he has found that Americans perceive Jesus. So what about us here today? How do we see Jesus? How did you see Jesus when you came to the Highland Center here today? When you woke up from bed and as you were entering into your day, how were you seeing Jesus? Do we recognize Jesus when things in our lives get out of sorts? Like with the disciples out on the ocean, on the sea? Are we recognizing Jesus in the midst of our fears? Are we even looking for Him when times are tough? Well, perhaps one reason that we become like Peter and we fall beneath the waves of our fear is that our view of Jesus is too limited and it is too narrow. We can't see Him as anything other than how we have seen Him in the past. And our Jesus may be too divine to be human. He may be too human to be divine. Too much a landlubber to be a sea surfer or just too busy to get involved. We tend to like a Jesus who is predictable, not just reliable. I mean, this is who Jesus is and this is how Jesus ought to be. There is a, a great article, uh, a letter to the uh, editor or an op-ed piece. Where is Ralph? I always lose Ralph. There you are. You always change sides, Ralph. Uh, but Ralph wrote in response to uh, a, uh, a letter that, or an article that had been written the uh, week before, and the title of it, Jesus the Reconciler. Now that's another way of looking at Jesus. A modern day liberal. And before you uh, get a chance, I'm not going to spoil the article, but read through it and, and you will see uh, a, a unique perspective, a healthy perspective of Jesus. And what Ralph is saying is that there is more than one way to look at Jesus. And Jesus invites us to, uh, to grow and to expand our understanding of who He is. And so Jesus as reconciler. I like that. We confess that Jesus is always with us, don't we? In our songs and in our prayers, we just sang, Love Lifted Me and, and uh, sang about falling beneath the waves and, and, and how Jesus lifts us up with His love. And that's a great song to sing. But I wonder, will we mean it tomorrow? We sing about Him and we talk about Him in our testimonies of praise and then we also talk about Jesus and to Jesus in our prayers. But then we forget that He is present with us in the stress, in the crises, and in the storms that come on Monday. And I'm not saying they necessarily will come tomorrow. No fear. But they could. And we are reminded this morning that we must never limit Jesus to our view of Him, of, of what He can and what He cannot do. We find from Peter, that it is okay to step out on our faith in who Jesus is, even if we fail in letting our fears get the best of us. We also find that one of the best ways to get a better view of Jesus is from the steps that we take toward Him. Peter learned a lot when he got out of the boat and started stepping 
toward Jesus. I'm sure that first step, he thought, wow, this is really cool. And he learned so much, even as he fell beneath. As he didn't see the foundation that was there beneath his feet. Surely such steps lead us to proclaim with Peter and the others in the boat. As it says at the end, they all said, surely you are the Son of God. There's no doubt in our minds anymore. You are the Son of God. We've seen you do all these amazing things and now we are seeing that you really are the Son of God. Well, second, we need to take heart when fears come. And that's what Jesus said to the disciples. If you look back there in the text, He says, take heart. Saying to the disciples as they feared for their lives after seeing Him walk on the water toward them. Take heart. It's a great translation for buck up or you can do it. If you can tell me what movie that's from, I'll give you um, a candy bar. Water boy. What? <laughs> Water boy. Oh. Or whatever else we might say to give someone a boost of courage when they're facing a very difficult time. And that's what Jesus does. He looks at them and sees that they are having a difficult time. Not only with the storm that's going on. I mean, that's why He goes out there. He leaves His solitude to go out there because they are in trouble yet again. And as He sees them in that situation, He says, take heart. Don't be scared. Know that I am here with you. Jesus was the basis for their need to be fearless. He was the reason that they could be fearless. As He would say, it is I. Do not be afraid. It's, it's me. I'm right here in your midst. And He was the same Jesus then uh, out there on the waves as He was just before on the land. If you look back in Matthew's Gospel, especially at those passages of Scripture we've already looked at uh, for the last several weeks, you'll, you will see the amazing things Jesus was doing while He was there on the land. And the stories He would tell and the lives that He would change. He was just as much a powerful presence then in the howling wind of the ocean as He was in the gentle breeze in the valley. Take heart. And that's what we need to hear today as well. I wonder, in what storm or difficulty do you need to hear those words today? Last night, I was trying to grill some chicken out on the um, patio and that storm blew in. It just kind of blew in from nowhere and uh, the trees began to sway and uh, just that really weird sky uh, was setting in and uh, the rain began and the lightning and thunder and all of that. And it just reminded me that storms can just come out of nowhere. Even the best of meteorologists can miss the storms that come our way. I wonder, in what storms do you need to hear? It is I. Do not be afraid. We find these words throughout the Gospels. And they are to be important to us. They are words that we need to hear from the Scripture. But they're also words that we need to hear from other Christians. And this is a reason that we gather here this morning on a, on a rainy Sunday morning, why it is that we get up and go to church because we need to hear words such as take heart 
or buck up or whatever in order to, to move forward to get through the rest of the storm that we are in. And so we say them to each other. We need to hear them in our ears and in our hearts as we get around other people in worship and in service. And they are words that we need to say to others, those who are in the boat or those who have stepped out in faith and need your encouragement to keep on walking. Third, we need to keep the perspective when fears come. Peter was doing so well with his fear. And you get the idea here. His face looks a little bit different as he is starting to fall, as Jesus grabs him by the hand and begins to pull him. And there's some great images out there of looking up through the water and seeing Jesus reach down as if you are Peter and he is reaching down to get you. Peter was doing so well with his fear, wasn't he? I mean, he was stepping beyond it to join Jesus on top of the water. But we know what happened next. I mean, it's what could have happened to any of us. He lifted his eyes off of Jesus and he put them on the force of the wind that was blowing around him. It's like he was hearing the... uh, the negative voices that were coming into his head about the things that were getting ready to happen to him. And he quickly began to sink. I mean, what happened to Peter? He was doing it, right? He was walking on water. Well, the answer to that is one that we actually know quite well. We know what happened for it is what has happened to us plenty of times, right? He lost perspective. And we would all be lying today if we said that we did not know what it is like to fall beneath the water. There are storms that come our way and just rock our lives to the point that that we have no idea how we're ever going to move forward. How it is that we're ever going to survive. And remembering what it was like to walk with Jesus when things were going well seems such a distant memory that we can never, ever Get back to that. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you find yourself in the midst of all of that. Are you familiar with funambulists, Bill? I always have to ask you these questions. Okay. Well, I wasn't either. But they are the people who walk on tightropes. A funambulist, okay? Dan Thurman. Uh, writes about them in his book, Off Balance and On Purpose. He writes that a good tightrope walker is always making adjustments and is never perfectly balanced. So if you've ever seen one of those guys walk uh, from uh, one tall building to another or across Niagara Falls, they are never perfectly balanced. Thurman observes that when new students step onto the rope or the cable, they almost always begin with the same flawed game plan. They stare downward at the wire to ensure that they have the proper footing. I mean, that's what you and I would do. And so they fall. So what is the solution to this dilemma? He says, if you have ever closely watched professional tightrope walkers, you may recall that they never look down at their feet or the wire to either side of their hands or the balance pole, whatever they're on. They don't look at it. Rather, they keep their head up and they look forward to the goal, the faraway platform that they're trying to get to. 
that is out in front of them. They keep their perspective. And bad things happen when they lose it. We can respond to our fears by keeping our eyes on what it is that is before us. Keeping the proper perspective in the midst of the storms. Not looking down. Not looking at the, the winds and the, uh, the, the swell of the waves that are coming at us. But looking at Jesus and continuing to keep our perspective right there on Him. The wind and the waves, they won't disappear from our lives. They will always be there. Always. And we will always worry about them. But we must learn to never look at them. When we look at them for too long, we do lose perspective and our imagination runs rampant, fueling our instinctive urge to flee and to take cover. When we look at them too long, we get conditioned to look for more. Oh, there'll be another storm. Or I just know something bad is about to happen. Do you know people like this? These are not the kind of people you want to hang around, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, I made it through, but I know something bad is going to happen again. It's just my luck. We all feel that way at times. But we need to quit looking at the storms. And looking for more is no way to ever get out of the boat, by the way. You'll never get out of it if you keep looking at your problems. It is no way to get anywhere. Your life is consumed by fear for things that are yet to be. We are to look beyond the waves of fear to fix our eyes on what will save us from them, on the Jesus who is unshaken and is stepping all over them. What we see when we look at Jesus is that He is the same Jesus who had power to turn water into wine, five loaves and two fish into basketfuls left over, blindedness into vision, deafness into hearing, and a withered hand into a grasping handshake. All of that is right here in Matthew's Gospel before we even get to this. The Jesus who did all of this is the same Jesus who stands with us in the midst of the winds blowing against us in our time of storms. The question is, do you see Him? Are you keeping Him in your perspective? As we go into this next week, one, no doubt, with plenty of things to fear. May you and I step all over our fears. Just to step all over them, realizing these things. Recognizing who Jesus is. Taking heart in His words to us. And keeping Him right there in our perspective. Let's pray.